And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from an internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as you want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host as always, Ronnie Landis. And uh, we have an incredible interview, conversation, dialectic to bring to all of you. Um, I'm really excited to uh, jump into this conversation with a very, very dear friend of mine, someone that I consider to be a big brother, a mentor, a friend, someone that I've known for, I want to say, around 10 years now, it feels like, um, Mr. Sacred Steve Adler, we've actually, this will be the third interview we've done in the entire span of this podcast history. And, uh, you know, leading up to this, I was thinking about how we met and what a monumental moment in time for me that was because you'd pretty much kind of seen my entire journey in this, this field of living foods and starting to become a speaker and writing books and getting into cacao alchemy and all the craziness that that journey has ensued over the last decade. You, you really got to see it from the beginning and we became fast friends. And um, so there was an event that I know you remember really well in San Francisco, me and my, my dear friend who, you know, very well, Mr. Hoysos, we were kind of just running around doing shenanigans in the Bay area, eating raw food, <laughs> eating goji berries. And we didn't really know exactly what we were doing, or I didn't know what I was going to do with this. I had a feeling and inspiration. I was watching a lot of people like David Wolf and Gabriel Cousins on YouTube University, but I hadn't really plugged in with the community. And then lo and behold, David Wolf is doing an event in San Francisco, and I didn't know what to expect. I just said, yes, let's go. And I went there, and um, that's where I met you. That's where I met David for the first time. I met so many incredible people that are now close friends of mine. Um, 
And I remember meeting you and you were literally the personification and embodiment of the Willy Wonka archetype. And um, it, it was like a complete just reality timeline paradigm alteration in my entire my <laughs> entire life course. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just remember that event. And that was just such an incredible moment in time for me. And, you know, we, we've become incredible friends and uh, you know, colleagues at one point and just, um, you've been such an incredible support system for me. Um, you supported me and encouraged me all along this entire journey. And I just really value your friendship and, um, and you know, the incredible service that you've really given humanity, which is you've kind of been, I don't even know, kind of is really the word you've actually been holding, holding it down for the, the cacao, alchemy movement uh you really helped start it so that that's let me just say all that before we jump into this whole conversation wow thank you ronnie for having me on here again it's a total blessing and honor to be here and share from the heart and um yeah i just want to comment on uh that event long ago i thought it was amazing and it was great meeting you and hoy and and um just making all the connections and um, I, I seem to remember us um, uh, getting together afterwards, uh, watching. Um, I think it was um, Beyonder. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nickname, and he was he was shooting literally shooting lightning bolts out of his fingers, and <laughs> and so that was a quite a sight to behold. And it, it kind of uh, really sort of um, opens your eyes to what's possible in the universe, you know, and what's possible for each and every human being. You know, we are still sort of living in limitation for the most part. And um, uh, that night, Beyonder showed us that literally it was possible for, you know, a, an ordinary human being to, you know, focus enough energy to literally shoot lightning bolts out of his fingers. And it wasn't, it was a, a small crowd gathering to witness this. And he actually shot um, lightning bolts right out of cacao beans um, into a wall. And everybody was watching it, and it was crazy to want to witness. But um, that was what we were plugging into at that time. Man, that 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 yeah, I remember that moment so clearly. And um, what's interesting about that, just since you brought Beyonder's name up, we were many many years after that. Um, I was at All Lock with Dave the Raw Food Trucker, um, and uh, Beyonder was there. So we go outside. He he basically gives me a lightning bolt, or not a lightning bolt. He gives me a light bulb. Basically, <laughs> a lightning bolt. He gives me a light bulb. It's obviously not plugged into anything. I'm holding it in my hand, and he says, "Okay, everyone, watch this." He touches the light bulb, and the light bulb goes on. And I'm holding it, and I'm like, "Man, is this is this safe?" And then he takes his finger off, and then it goes it goes limp again. And then he does that a couple times. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it, bro. <laughs> a, a, a real life magician, right? I mean, he's actually channeling the energy to such a high level to where he's, you know, he's making things real where most people would never believe it in a million years, but everybody's witnessing it with their eyes. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot to learn out there in this vast world. And um, what we call miracles are just things that uh, we really don't understand quite yet. Mm. Yeah. And then eventually we call it science, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, see, you know, it's interesting you bring up the whole, the whole uh, subject on science because, um, you know, I think a lot of people sort of don't truly understand what science is. Right. Um, 
you know, really science is an ongoing dialogue between um, existence and truth. And that's the key thing. It's an ongoing dialogue. Um, science is not a, um, a subject. It's not a set of facts. Mm. Not, it's not a set of formulas. It, it's, it's none of that. Um, it's actually a process. And the key thing to, to doing good science is innocent perception. Right. In other words, perceiving things uh, innocently for what they are without preconceived ideas, judgments, filters, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's really the only way um, a scientist um, can be called a scientist. Um, you can't really come into any sort of science project or any sort of science, you know, or, or say you're performing science without that mental framework to begin with. And then on top of that, you've got to be honest uh, <laughs> about, about what you're perceiving. So it's, it's not only innocent perception, but then it's honestly um, reporting what you're innocently perceiving. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, there's so much out there saying, you know, I, I mean, nowadays it seems like on the internet, you know, especially on social media, people try and, you know, back this and that with science, but um, it, what they're really trying to do is just back on, um, you know, their position with um, results from some sort of body of knowledge or some sort of set of facts or set of experiments. Right. So, so it's, it's important to say that, you know, it's not, you know, mm -hmm. science is, is confused. Science is actually a process. Science is not, is, it's none of that other stuff. This is, I'm so glad you brought this up. So science being a never ending inquiry of the unbiased objectified truth, not the subjective truth, not what we, not what we might prefer to happen, but to have such an honesty. Honesty is such a key word that you brought up. Um, to have an honest inquiry about what is true or what's possible, regardless of what I want to happen or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not about agendas. You can't, you can't, you can't be performing science if you have an agenda. That, that, those, are, those are diametrically opposed. Um, science is a process by which somebody arrives at a truth. Mm. Not, and I want to kind of sort of correct you in that it's not really the objective, undeniable truth. There's no real such thing mm. as that. I, I felt that. I actually, when I said it, I kind of felt the, the little bit of incoherence in that word. So thank you. Yeah, it's just, it's basically, um, truth is, is, is um, a dynamic thing. Mm. Um, truth is is kind of um, it, it's kind of I, I view it sometimes as this sort of golden dynamic thread that that connects the inner and the outer basically. Um, and truth is found where that point exists, where that connection between the inner worlds and the outer worlds um, is. That point you could call truth, or you could call that point. The, the point where you find a truth mm. um, and really what truth does on a practical level is it allows greater understanding of existence. It allows greater understanding of existence. Um, it allows greater workability within existence. Um, you know, and that's why, you know, sort of, you know, the old saying, you shall know the truth and it shall, it shall set you free is, is so apropos. Because when you do arrive at a truth, you 
not only do you have a greater grasp of, of reality as existence, but you have typically more understanding and more tools to work gracefully within that existence. So, and, and, and the situation is, the truth is different for each and every one of us because as individual unique, you know, souls, beings of God, if you will, or whatever, we all have our unique covenants. We all have our unique perspectives. We all bring different um, talents and um, experiences and knowledge and education to any sort of um, event or, you know, science project or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. And so you bring your own, you, you arrive at your own truth based on what you're perceiving. Mm. You know, one great example, for example, is this, right? Say this is just sort of, a, you know, an analogy that you can think of when, it, when you say that each and every man or woman's truth is unique. Say, for example, you know, you bring three different types of people to witness the Grand Canyon, right? And so you go out to the Grand Canyon and you bring, you know, different, whatever. You bring somebody just for lack of, of a better, you know, um, you know, just, just say you're bringing like um, an architect, right? And an artist. And maybe um, you're bringing, um, you know, somebody who's uh, a musician. And maybe you're bringing somebody who, um, you know, is whatever. It could be anybody, a medical professional. And they're going to, you know, come and look at the Grand Canyon, you know, innocently. And if they look at it innocently, they're just going to kind of see the Grand Canyon, probably very similarly to how you and I see it or anybody else is going to see it, right? It's, it's almost as if you take a photograph of it and then look at the photograph. But then, really, each person, as they sit with their own reality and they kind of map their own reality on top of that reality, which is that one existence that's in front of you, they kind of can put two and two together. And all of a sudden, you know, the Grand Canyon might inspire, you know, somebody might hear a symphony, right? That, that orchestra conductor might hear a symphony, right? Right. right. The, the, the artist might see some great painting, you know, or see it in certain ways. The, the, the architect may see a, a different way. So we all, what I'm trying to say is we all bring those unique perspectives and those unique perspectives then bring us to our unique truths in association with that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, 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 so then the truth of the Grand Canyon becomes a different truth to the musician as it did to the architect or artist, as it did to the med- medical professional who, whatever, maybe, or maybe an herbalist who saw certain trees or certain, you know, certain, the way the river was flowing or, you know, and they bring those perspectives and they arrive at a certain truth about the Grand Canyon that's unique to them. Right. And, and so all those truths are unique and they're all true. Right, right. Exactly. Yes. So, so they're not, it's not, it's not like only one truth can stand. All those truths stand independently of each other. Mm, mm. What, um, what just came up for me as you're speaking is truth being produced through the alchemy of perspective or perception. And so what I thought about is that there is the subjective and objective perspective or perception, and they're both inclusive. They're not diametrically opposed, right? So we have like scientism, like a scientific, almost like atheistic religion, stripping spirit or stripping life out of something to objectify it and make it as mechanical and material as possible, 
almost like separating it from ourself. And then you have the subjective experience, which is unique to that own person's interpretation, where they're going to form their own unique truth. But that's not, that's not necessarily separate from the truth or whatever that is, the universal truth. It's like this, this interwoven dance of the soul almost. Or maybe not almost. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the whole funny thing is, you know, when you say the truth like that, like the ultimate truth, um, it's really hard to even pinpoint, you know, yeah, an ultimate right. truth. I mean, if, if, you know, if you, if you come at it from a sort of a spiritual, at least my spirituality slash physics background, um, science background, whatever you want to call it, you know, you could say that the only thing that is part of existence being kind of this base one reality, this, you know, what you're calling an objective reality, uh, an objective, you know, basically it's looking upon existence with total innocent eyes. Um, You know, you could say that, that basically all of that existence is just comprised of three things, which I love to talk about, which are one love Mm -hmm. to the adamantine particle, the smallest indivisible particle, and three, the one spirit, which is, you know, kind of this, uh, everything's the one spirit, basically. There's no place where the one spirit's not. So it's basically this kind of tripart uh, foundation of existence. Um, So, you know, if you could say that, you know, oh, yeah, there's one objective truth, that one objective truth would just be anything comprising those three things. If they don't comprise those three things, it basically stands in the court of illusion. Ah, uh, yeah, bingo. So, so you could kind of almost say that, like if you want to say, oh, there's like one objective truth or one ultimate truth, you know, you could kind of sort of say that. Can it, is it fair to say that instead of a truth, there's a qualitative essence of what makes a truth? There's a quality to, a tr- to something that is quote unquote true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then I was trying to describe that quality a little earlier. Basically, yeah. I just kind of in review. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of say that that quality is sort of the breadth and depth of of sort of consciousness. It's like as as we as we grow in our consciousness, eventually we gain more and more quote truth. We gain more and more clarity and understanding. And basically, when you arrive at a truth, that truth basically. Um, sort of transcends the reality. It allows you to sort of behold the reality in a way that that is is um, is a result of your growing consciousness. You know, so so you could say that the quality of truth is that it, you know, the, or the quality of a truth is that which allows for um, the connect the 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 perception of that connection between the inner and the outer. It's like I said, that kind of golden thread. Uh, that that is distilled from your consciousness. It's that golden thread that's distilled from your beholding of of your reality, um, and it's that it's that it's that golden thread that's that's that allows for the greater understanding, the greater workability. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes no. It makes complete sense. The, what just came up for me was the word. You know, a lot of people will say the word oneness. I want to use the word wholeness to describe what I'm, what I'm kind of interpreting. Like, you know, the sum of the parts is, or the whole is bigger than some of the parts. Well, 
from a psychological perspective and studying with Dr. John Martini for a while, his whole thing is about integration, right? Not disowning any part of ourselves through judgment, but actually integrating all of ourselves so we can come into true wholeness. Um, so that's kind of what I'm seeing on a micro and macro perspective, right? Is the, is actually to become truly whole within ourselves, so we can actually innocently perceive the world accurately. Yeah, I mean, that's basically that's, you know, working on slaying your ego. <laughs> because, because until you really slay your ego, which is, you know, for most people, a lifelong process, if, if they're even focused on that track to begin with, um, until you do that, you, you know, you're always in sort of a slight su- state of subtle judgment. Uh-huh. Uh, whether it's yourself, some, like you said, some part of yourself that you're judging, like so you, you don't feel whole in yourself or some part of your reality that you're judging, whether it's, you know, who knows, a, a, another person you're judging or a situation or, or the events of the world or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, most people, you know, I, I, I I've, I've, <laughs> It's a constant yoga for myself to constantly work on, you know, dissolving and, and slaying my own ego. And um, I, I'm I'm trying to think if I've ever met anybody in my life who's who's who I feel has gotten close to that. Um, you know, um, I probably have brushed up now that I think about with a few people uh, in my lifetime who have, you know, kind of gotten close to that that state of of um egolessness um as adults but um the vast majority of people who i've met who are in that state of egolessness are all under the age of three um and you know that's 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 really that's really the greatest uh teacher of all if you really want to watch some someone in an egoless state you know watch a watch somebody who's three years old um, because, and that's a great learning lesson too. Um, you know, because they're just kind of calling it as it is. They're not, they're not, they don't have any agendas other than, you know, of course, um, making sure that they feel happy and okay most of the time, but they don't have the kind of agendas and filters and judgments that an adult human mm-hmm. ego and human mind has, which is a lot, a lot more insidious and a lot more devilish. Um, and so anyway, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a worthwhile pursuit. I think, you know, it's, it's the, it's basically at the crux of any sort of spiritual path, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. I want to, um, I want to take it back because you mentioned the three principles that basically makes up truth, let's say. I want I want you to expand on those three principles. I know exactly what you're talking about because I've heard you talk about it many times. I want you to kind of just share a little bit more on that. And then I want to talk about a little bit about your background because you are a Stanford trained rocket scientist, physicist. Like you like when you talk about science, just so everyone knows, like you're an actual scientist and and your story is hilariously entertaining to me. <laughs> You know, just the irony of the whole thing. So I'd love, to, I'd love to get you to share a little bit about that, and then we'll we'll lead into um, some more fun stuff. Sure. Well, I mean, the ultimate truth is God. I mean, basically, God is the foundation of the that three component basis of existence. So, um, you know, and I love to use the word God 
because um, it's it's sort of um, I don't know at least in my little um, realm, yeah, um, me, me too. Uh, it, it's sort of underutilized or it's sort of overly judged. And it's in, in at least in um, in our culture, God is pretty much um, a very easy thing to understand because most people have grown up with this idea or concept of God. But basically, um, you know, you could you could the way I look at God is um, as uh, the source of all the love in existence, um, and it's inexplicable. Um, you know, the the source is an it's an infinite supply. Um, it's the foundation of, of all the universes. Um, it's most likely, um, the cause behind gravity behind every single fundamental, um, you know, force that theoretical physicists study. Um, you know, obviously love commands the adamantine particles literally, um, and it resonates with the one spirit. So, um, you could say God being the foundation of that whole thing. It's one and the same. I mean, that three part component, you could say is God. The problem, the challenge is our minds are finite, right? So the, at the most, the only way we can really totally as human beings, I think experience God is just experiencing the love that we are and experiencing anytime we experience, um, you know, love in, in any form, you are experiencing the God, you are experiencing the energy of God and the people on the planet who have pursued God in their lives, um, are, are, are typically, um, you know, and, and they're, and I'm not saying that you can, you know, there's a bazillion ways to pursue God and it's all an individual thing, but, um, they're typically, you know, seeking, seeking a return to God in some way, a connection. Um, and, for me myself, um, I think that the foundation of that has been um, about about twenty years ago. I learned of you know kind of this portal in the center of my soul that you know Christianity is called the Sacred Heart, but there are a lot of different names for it. But it's this basic sort of interdimensional portal, if you will, through which your unique love that is commanding everything in your life um, is flowing. And this love that's flowing, that's the love that is you, is also connected to the source love, to God. So that's why, you know, you always hear people saying, well, go within or, or you know, enter the kingdom as a little child, that innocent child, the egoless child, right? Um, because that is a really sacred space, and it's an innocent space. And the space is an energetic space. It's a quantum physics phenomenon. And it opens up, like I think, you know, the Eastern religions called, you know, liken it to sort of like the lotus flower, right? The thousand petal lotus flower. Well, the more you do, um, quote, spiritual work in whatever form it could be, you know, it could be service or meditation or um, whatever it is for you, um, you know, going to church or, or other organizations, um, whatever it is, the, the more that you do these things, the more that you, you know, you slay your ego. The more this quantum physics um, portal opens up, and you feel it, you you become more in touch with your soul. You become more in touch with your love, and more in touch with your. With, and it, it it's an ongoing opening and flowering. And I say that without a shadow of a doubt, from my own personal experience. Um, 
So it's, it's worthy to pursue for sure. It's, it's really, um, it's your power. The funny thing is the mind, you know, being that we're mostly in a mind dominated world and mind dominated society, it, 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 it feels a little threatened by this power, but the mind itself doesn't have any of this power. The mind is just literally a computer. It's, it's a logic machine. It's great at, at understanding probabilities and math and structure and, and figuring out how, how to integrate, you know, our souls into this 3D reality, this 3D structure. Um, but, it, you know, if you look out, if, if you look out in the world, there's a, there's a, typically it's a lot of minds leading around a lot of minds and all these minds don't have any fundamental power. And as, and, a, and as a result, they kind of keep running into the same little maze. It's a, it, they're, they're running around in a maze. Right. They're trying to get from point A to point B thinking that once they're in point B, they're going to be happier. But when they arrive at point B, they realize that they're no happier than when they arrive in point A typically. Yeah. That's yeah. what happens when the mind is running the show and it's, and it's leading other minds through the maze and you get to one room and you have a little party, you get to another room and, <laughs> and you get to another room. And after a while, it's like, okay, time to check out because you kind of seen it done at all. And it's like, well, might as well check out. But at the end of the day, it's like, gosh, is that, was that all that there was to life? You know? And, and, and then you hear stories of other people who have pursued a different type of life and have pursued connection with, with the energy of God mm-hmm. in a big way, mm-hmm. into a way where, where it's miraculous to where, you know, you're hearing real stories from real people of, yes anything from interacting with angels to other miracles. And, and so this is the power of love because love is, the, love is the foundational energy of everything. Yes. And so it's really about, you know, first recognizing that we're beings of love and then opening that up more and more, tuning into that more and more. That's where your power is. That's where your mission is. That's where your, mm. that's where your contentment is. Um, that's where, where, um, and the funny thing is, I feel when you're there, I, I can, I just, from my own experience, when you're there, when you're in your love and you're in your soul, the outside world just becomes less interesting. Um, mm. It just does. I don't know what to say about that, but um, at least it does for me. Yeah. Yeah. The entertainment factor goes down. Yeah. Words become very boring after a while. Hmm. What what was coming up for me when you're talking about the mind, I was thinking about um, Maxwell Malt's book, Psycho-Cybernetics. And, uh, you know, that was written all those years ago. And, um, you know, he really related the mind as a heat-seeking missile. And so, you know, you kind of like have to plug in the software program or whatever the belief system is, the paradigm, whatever your software upgrade program is. I, I relate this whole kind of nervous system to an operating system. So if you have a software program, that's running the show, then your mind is always going to be fixated in localizing itself to a particular focus based on a program. And so I feel like that disconnect between the head and the heart is a really interesting thing to look at because, you know, in, in a lot of this has come out actually through our conversations early on in my journey, when I was making that personal development leak, um, leap from more of the mind and more of just like what I could do with my body and the, the identity around who I thought I need to be and actually going deeper into the sacred heart. 
that's how I knew about that is through through you and our conversations and started and through you know your chocolate, which definitely helped open the heart, which we'll talk about. And I started in you know studying like heart math. I really started to understand like okay, this physical heart that we have is an electromagnetic generator unlike anything else that we have. So it makes sense to me that maybe that's actually where the power is and the mind is more like a servant or a, um, it's like a funnel, right? Like it funnels the energy and, and it can point it in a particular direction, right? It's like that, that laser, but where does the power come from? And I, so I'd like to kind of talk about that. Well, I, I like I like that. It, it makes me uh, think of a great analogy, which is the analogy of the um, the archer, mm. um, the archer analogy. Basically, yes. if, you, if, if you think of an archer, okay, the the archer, the the bow. You've got an archer and a bow and an arrow, right? Well, the arrow or arrows are your thoughts. Wow! Wow! Okay, the bow is your mind, and the archer is your love. Ooh. So, so you can have, you can have, you can have all the, all the thoughts in the world and you can, you can send them out into the universe all over the place. But unless, like you said, like what you're saying, unless you corral them in and and focus in on one target, you're, you're kind of, um, you're wasting a lot of energy because you're sending out a lot of random arrows all over the place, three, 360 degrees. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and nothing's ever going to get accomplished. <laughs> and you're going to get adrenal fatigue and thyroid issues in the, in the process. The burnout, right? Classic burnout, right? Yes. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said about the maze, right? It's like, okay, let's go, you know, go down this hall and then the party and then go down. Now, okay. The, you know, after a while you get to point B and you're burnt out and you look back and you go, God, I wish I was back at point A. You know, that's, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, like I said, it's like firing those, those arrows all over the place. Well, Anyway, like I said, the, the, so the, the bow is your mind, but the power is the love. Unless you have the love behind it, the energy actually, nothing's going to happen. You, no, you can have a bazillion thoughts. In fact, thoughts are, are not primal at all. Thought, thought is, is just a, a connecting link. Mm-hmm. Everything has thoughts. Even... <laughs> Even a rock has thoughts from a, from a quantum physics standpoint, uh, uh, you know, put it this way. When you get hungry, guess what? Your hunger is a thought. Wow. Okay. It's, it's, in other words, all of structure is, is connected through thought. In other words, thought is a connecting, thought is a communication uh, link. Thought, thought yeah. is, a, is a communication link. So yeah, okay. hunger is, 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 is giving you the thought something in your body is giving you the thought that you're hungry. Mm. That, that's, you see what I'm saying? The, so thoughts are, thoughts are a bazillion, a, a, a dime a dozen, if you will. They're, they're just these communication connecting links that connects everything. All right. Now, idea is a little bit better. Right? An idea is, is usually a, a series or a matrix of thoughts that have sort of coalesced into reality. So yeah. in other words, like, yeah. like the idea of a light bulb, once, a, once, the, once the idea has coalesced into reality, like the idea of a light bulb, and, it beca- and, it, and it's, it's like, quote, one with God, one with the, you know, those three po- components, right? Adamantine particles, love, the one spirit, one spirit brings purpose. So all, when that coalesces, then you've got an idea, and the idea typically will coalesce into, you know, 
a 3D reality, like a table or a light bulb. Mm. Once it does, it's there forever. The idea of a light bulb is always going to be there. But, but thoughts come and go. Thought, like I said, they're just communication. And when you bring a whole bunch of thoughts within experience and within a context, you can create ideas. Ideas are rare. Wow, wow. Wow, Idea, ideas are a result of consciousness. Oh, oh, man. And, and, and even you have to remember, even consciousness is not primal. What's primal is love and awareness. Consciousness mm-hmm. arises out of awareness. Awareness is primal. Right. Like if you strip down, if you, if you were to strip down all your mind stuff, all your identities, even your physical body, everything, and you go deep in your soul to where your love is, and you can feel that I amness. You can feel right the I am, the I am, that I am, that I am, that I am. It's just this, it's this ongoing sort of presence flow. It's just this inner whatever. And we'll go there in a second because you, you remind me of a little exercise we can do if you're up for it. Yes. But um, but yeah, so 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 consciousness is a result of having a lot of thoughts within a context and 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 and, and experience. So we grow in our consciousness as we live our life, as we, you know, especially as we bring in things innocently without judgment, you'll grow and grow and grow in consciousness very quickly. You know, if you, if you have lots of judgments, you're not going to grow in your consciousness. You actually, it's like slamming a door. It's It's like slamming a door to the growth in your consciousness. Your ego is your biggest limitation. I'll guarantee that right now. Totally. You're the number one limitation in your entire in any human being's entire life. Period is ego. Period. End of story. So, so you know, if if, if you can get rid of the judgments, then you can grow in consciousness. Mm. And so, from there, as you grow in consciousness, your ideas can coalesce more and more into greater and greater ideas. And a lot of them will manifest. This is this is so brilliantly explained and articulated. Such a seemingly complex something that is not complex at all, but can be complexified through the mind. But the way that you're able to break it down um, is quite quite amazing. And the thing about judgment, like this, has been a whole journey for me in the last ever since I met John D. Martini. I, I was just like, I was like on it with these judgments. I'm like, oh, I was like anything that I'm judging is a bias. It's a cognitive bias, certainty bias, some kind of bias that I have that by its very nature, whether right or wrong is creating a barrier. It's creating a block. That's the nature of a judgment because I know when I have a judgment, I feel contracted. I, my heart constricts and that's all I need to know at this point. I need to rationalize it or understand why it is. I know my heart, uh, it feels contracted. So the only antidote of it is to open my, my heart so the dissolve, so that judgment can dissolve, and I can actually have a real, authentic connection with whatever, whatever that was that I was previously judging. Absolutely, it's really important to recognize in yourself all the time and work on on dissolving your ego, melting it away. In fact, even seek out opportunities to do that. If you want to get um, you know motivated and aggressive about it, you can actually <laughs> seek out opportunities to melt away and dissolve your ego. Yeah, like getting in a relationship. It could be, it could be getting <laughs> a relationship. It could be um, asking for forgiveness. Um, it could right. be, you know, it could be, it could be going to, it could be doing things that you feel are um, very embarrassing to you. Wow. Yes. Or, or very, um, or causing you a lot of shame. I mean, I'll, there's a lot of stuff actually that you can do to work on dissolving your ego. 
Um, you know, you could just act silly. You could do stuff. You could do stuff in, in realms where you would normally never, ever do it in a bazillion years because you, you're too afraid. Mm-hmm. And the only, th- the only thing, you know, what's, what are people afraid of? Like when, when you're, when all of a sudden you feel limited, right? You feel like, oh man, I'm afraid to do this. Mm-hmm. Typically, you're afraid that either somebody else is going to judge you for doing it or you're going to judge yourself for doing it. Um, and, and whether you fail or not, it doesn't matter. Somebody else is going to judge you about that or you're going to judge yourself about you're that. Gonna, you're in a merry-go-round of judgment no matter what you that's do. Right. That's right. So you're in fear of judgment. Uh, outside physical death, the only thing that any human being is typically afraid of is judgment. <laughs> that's it. That, that's it. If you boil it all the way down. Right. And, and so, so that's, that's, you know, wow. it's just, it's just this huge subject, you know, and then it's, uh, and a lot of, and the ego is afraid to let go of itself. It doesn't want it, you know, cause a lot of times that means letting go of your personality. Right. Right. You know, I mean, if, if you ever have kids or, you know, most parents out there listening probably recognize this, you know, if you watch your kids grow up, I have a 17-year-old daughter now. But, you know, when she was a little toddler, she didn't really have a personality. Mm, mm. And, then you, and then you start seeing the personality develop over the years, and it takes different twists and turns, and different, it goes through different phases. And, and you know, it's, it's developing along with the ego. And, and they kind of develop hand in hand. And they, you know, the, the personality is there to kind of support the ego's wants, wishes, and desires. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the ego's, the ego's a whole huge subject all in itself. Right. You, totally you know, totally. I'm not, not, I don't want to make this all about the ego, right? Because it's just, that's just a huge subject that you can dive deep into in books and on. The thing that the ego is actually kind of, in a lot of ways, frightened of. Um, and that is the sacred heart. And you talked about it. And, and that's why I want to do this exercise because yes. it, every human being actually has three hearts, three. It's kind of weird. It's like, wow, three, what does that mean? Well, there's the physical heart, the pump that's pumping blood, right? And, you know, that's a great symbol for the, for the sacred heart because it's kind of the center of your, you know, of, what's, of what supports your body with with nourishment, right? Oxygen and nutrients, and right, your blood is taking all those oxygen, all the oxygen, nutrients to all your cells, right? So it's a great symbol. There's the heart chakra, which is actually part of your mind complex. The mind is two is actually two two parts. It's a it's your brain and nervous system, which is a like a DNA biocomputer, and it runs electrically, all on plus and minus electrical charge, ones and zeros, like the binary, our computer systems all are running on ones and zeros, right? So it's your mind's made up of that, your whole nervous system, your brain, and it's also made up of an electromagnetic field, which totally surrounds your whole body kind of in a big sphere. So it's a two-part system. Well, the electromagnetics of your whole system, of your whole body which are also finite in nature, by the way, um, those electromagnetics make up your whole chakra system. So, you know, your, your, 
the seven chakras that you that especially are known in eastern religions and thought and so on you know um are basically physically represented by electromagnetism and so there is a heart chakra there's that heart center chakra which is an electromagnetic center the sacred heart is not connected to electromagnetism um, directly but it is indirectly mm. so the sa- so the sacred heart is interdimensional electromagnetism is in this dimension electromagnetism is in the the conservational field of energy which is the biggest structure that we're aware of in existence in our universe if you will but the sacred heart is connected to god and infinity the sacred heart is interdimensional and it it allows primal magnetism which is a, a form of magnetism that's not it's independent of electricity primal magnetism is a is a, it, i only call it magnetism because it's it's attractive in its in its in its nature but right. i don't know if I, I, it's 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 a little bit tricky to even call it magnetism but basically it's the result it's the physical result of love in other words when love interacts in these in this 3d dimension it's interacting using what's called primal magnetism and and the and the feeling that you feel as a human being when you're feeling this love flowing is the is the passion it's a it's a passion it's that emotion of passion in your in your soul yes that 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 emotion of passion or sometimes you know, sometimes I, I, you get, you get goosebumps all over, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that love is flowing, you know, it's like that passion, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is the primal, that's your love. That's the primal magnetism flowing. Now that love energy converts into electromagnetic energy. That's why I said it's, it's connected. It's not directly connected. Right. That, that love and that primal magnetism can convert into electromagnetism for the electromagnetic energy of your body. That's why the more you open in your love, the more you let your love flow, the healthier you're going to be. Right, right. Period. (laughs) Period. Because what happens is that love gets converted right into electromagnetic energy that is feeding and and fueling and supporting your whole body. Mm. Anyway, so there's this poor, this sacred heart, okay, this connection to other dimensions and infinity, right, where all your love is flowing, your unique love. Each person's love is unique, is unique, all right? It actually has a physical location in your physical body. It's not, it's not in the center of your heart, the physical pump. It's not even in the center of your heart chakra. It's not. It's a third location. That's why I said human beings have three hearts. And the third location for anybody is always in a slightly different place. I mean, it could be in the same place for you and me, for example, but we don't really know. But it's, it, can be, it, it varies. And only you will know when you're there because you'll be able to feel it. It's a feeling. And this is the little exercise I want to do with you, which mm-hmm. is basically take, just take, and take your awareness to, say, your left knee right now. Right? Just go right into your left knee. And feel it. And all of a sudden, now that your awareness is in your left knee, can you sort of sort of feel your left knee in a sense? Yeah. You kind of feel it, right? Yeah. Well, the very fact that a few seconds ago you weren't thinking about your left knee, so you weren't feeling your left knee, 
kind of tells you right there that you're at least more than just your physical body. Because if you were just your physical body all the time, it would suggest that you would only just be feeling your physical body all the time. But your awareness a few minutes ago wasn't in your left knee. For all intents and purposes, you didn't even know you had a left knee. You weren't feeling it. Right. It wasn't, you weren't aware of it. So that's an important thing just to notice within yourself, right? Okay, now go back into your left knee, take your awareness back into your left knee and ask yourself this question. Does that feel like the center of your being? Does that feel like the totality of who you are? Does that feel like the center of the totality of who you are? No. (laughs) Okay, so the fact that you were able to, and most people can answer that quickly. You answered that quickly and most people can answer it quickly. And the fact that you answered it quickly suggests a couple of things. First of all, it suggests that there is a center. Yep. Okay. Uh, because if you weren't sure, then you would, then that suggests that maybe there isn't a center. Right. So that's the main thing. So it suggests that there probably is a center. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is um, it's, it's this innate thing. You didn't have to calculate anything there. Right. It wasn't a probability thing. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with, with working out formulas to figure out if that was your center. You just kind of intuitively felt it knew it wasn't the center of who you are. So take yourself to take your awareness to someplace else. Take it, say, to the middle of your throat. And ask yourself the same question. No, but it's a, it's a whole lot closer. Okay, great. Take yourself to the mi- middle, take your awareness to the middle of your brain. Mm. Definitely not my center. Okay. So zero in on your center. Well, there you go. I mean, from a, from a body perspective, it's, it's this whole, this whole where the, the solar or lunar plexus is and then right in. See, the way that I feel it too, and I already kind of intuitively know what that feels like for me because a friend of mine pointed out at one point when I was at a low point in my life, I was kind of like this. So I was crunched over. I was kind of my energy was a little gravitational. And he said, do this, push your heart out, right? And immediately when I pushed my heart out, My shoulders went into total alignment. And when I was speaking, it was like it was eyes speaking. It wasn't some program or some, you know, whatever I was going through in my life or some story. It was like, boom, I felt my power and that centeredness. I felt completely centered within myself. So that's where I feel that right there. It's huge. It's like like Tony Robbins. He loves that whole physiology and state change, right? It's like change your physiology, change your state, right? Well, we're physical human beings. We, you know, we're, we're integrated, right? And so, you know, it so happens that when somebody's kind of stuck in their mind and their ego, and especially if there's a lot of negativity going on inside, it kind of, it, it, it affects the physio, the, the, our physicalness, our, our, what's the word, physiognomy or whatever you call it. Uh-huh. Physicality. Yeah, the physicality, right? And so, and so. You can, and then you can do the, you know, like he says, you can do the other thing. If you actually kind of do this, it, oh. it brings your awareness into kind of your, the center area where your soul and sacred heart is, yeah. mm-hmm. right? It just, so you're, you're kind of doing it from the other way. You're, you're physically doing it to drop in more. 
right? You can go both ways. And so that's a huge thing is to, is to practice going there and, and locating that spot. And so for some people, you know, some people can slip right in. Some people might take some time. It might take some, some practice, some yoga, some meditation to feel right in. That is for most people, this lo- this spot is located between the spine and the physical heart. It's usually centered along the spine, but between the spine and the physical heart. And sometimes a little below the heart, sometimes a little above the physical heart. It just depends on who you are, but you can eventually zero in on it more and more. And really, I would say that the most important thing in life, one of the most important things is to, is to go there often, live there, be there as often as you can in your meditations, in whatever you're doing throughout your life. And when you're there, you can feel it. And when you're there, other people can feel it too. Because when you're in your heart, you're, you're naturally out of your mind and your ego starts to shut down more and more and more. Your ego becomes this little chatterbox that you're turning the volume down on. And you just keep turning. When, the more you're in your heart, the more that, that eventually the ego just gets muffled out. It, and it gets to the point where it's not even there anymore. It, it really, it's, it's, I've been there. It. it and that's powerful. And and the great thing about it is when you're there, you're free. You're liberated. You're more free than you can even imagine. It's it's beyond the beyond freedom. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the that's such a key key thing for people to to do. I think, and and it doesn't matter what context, what religion, what spiritual path. Whatever it is, I mean, it's 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 been my it's been my spiritual journey for the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's I mean, so brilliant, so so many incredible nuggets of wisdom in all of that, and I'm 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 feeling into where we're at right now, just with time and with the transition of topics. Um, we could we could do an entire episode just on cacao, and I'm actually tempted to to suggest in live time that maybe we do that. Maybe we set up a part two um, to actually do that because the level of knowledge, insight, perspective that you have, and obviously I've been a, a chocolate advocate and chocoholic for the last decade, largely thanks to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm kind of feeling actually, I'd like to set up a part two with you um, as soon as you're available to just to go, just so we can go deep in that subject. Does that feel good? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm more than thrilled to do that. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So everyone stay tuned. We're going to do that soon. Um, so let me, so let me take advantage of, of where we're at right now with the time that we have the, the sacred heart. I want to, I want to, um, here, here's what I want to do. This is what just came up for me. Glenda green love with no end. You, you and David kind of introduced me to that, that book. And, um, I have it on my bookshelf and it's holding space there along with autobiography of a yogi and all those good books. They kind of just hold space. It's like, even if you don't read it, it's there. It's, it's just holding a field for you. Absolutely. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And so there's, there's, um, there's a lot of great quotes that I pulled out of it just through synchronicity. One of them is, um, well, I think I I heard David say this. This is where I got it. Death is a clearing house for false identities. Yeah, uh, you know it's 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 so true. I mean, so again, it comes down to um, you know what is an identity, 
you know what what you know and this is this is such a deep a deep deep subject you know on um, in a lot of you know that's yeah that's a great statement um and it's true in the sense that really what drives us more than anything to our physical death are mistaken identities wow um because um what is your actual one true identity? Hmm. I'm not even sure how to respond to that from an identity perspective. <laughs> well, let me say your one, everybody's one true identity is the love that they are. Okay. So, so imagine being that three-year-old go back to when you were three years old. All right. And feel like, if you can imagine like yourself when you're three, feel what it was like to be you at that age. Like, like what was, what is, what was the feeling of you? Mm. What was, what was your love like? Mm. What was your love about in that real innocent state? That's your, that is, that is that identity, that, that, that feeling and those little inclinations and all the all the little things you knew and felt about yourself and felt about the world and whatever at that young age is your true identity it's an innocent it's an identity in innocence there's not there there hasn't been all these layers and all these judgments and all these other identities and these ideas and everything piled onto your mind and piled into your ego what happens is if you're living that love all the time, if you're in your heart all the time, that love has the ability to keep you alive as long as you want. I mean, heck, in the Bible, if you believe the Bible, back way at the early stages of humanity, we lived to be a thousand years old. And who knows? You know, sometimes you hear crazy stories. And like I said, miracles happen. You hear about crazy stories of, of saints and yogis living up in the Himalayas of thousands of years old. I've heard, I don't know if you've heard those stories. I've heard, I've, I've heard of course. So what, what gives them these abilities? It's not some identity. It's not some technique even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's love. Right. Love is love. I got news for you. It is love. They're masters of love. All those, all those avatars and gurus and saints, they're masters of love. Oh, man. This, is, this, this brings up an interesting thing that you and I both are very familiar with is the health nut, the health freak, the health advocate, the health crusader who dies of a heart attack or something ridiculous like that. And they actually were eating like a perfect diet, quote unquote. And like, but, but they're so high strung. They're so like evangelical about it where they're, where there actually isn't that much love. Right. And then, so what's that all about? Well, yeah. So that's, that's the whole point being is like that their identity drove them to the grave. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Right. I mean, people don't know when to let go. Mm. I mean, people don't know when to chill out. People don't know when to like go with the flow. Right. I mean, the holy flow, right? I mean, you know, when you're being the love that you are, you're going with the holy flow. And that holy flow is, you know, life is love in action. 
That's the definition. Whoa. That's the definition Whoa. of life. Whoa. That's the definition of life is love in action. That's the Whoa. definition of life. Man, a lot of people are not living life right now. Hey, there you go. There you go, right? And t- time is structure and action. That's, mm. all the t- that's all the time is, is structure and action. Structure is finite, right? Structure, And when I say structure, I mean, of course, the physical structures around us, but even mental structures. And constructs. Like, constructs, ideologies, religions, whatever, you know, all this sort of stuff. It, basically, time is just another name for change. And time is relative. Depends on the, it depends on the reference frame, right? Einstein proved that with general relativity and special relativity. Basically, based on gravitational fields, your reference point of time changes. Clocks go at different rates or with speed, right? If reference frames going at very fast speeds, their clocks slow down, right? So same with heavy gravitational fields. The clocks slow down relative to another, another field where the gravity gravity is so time what i'm trying to say is time is just a measurement of a change in structure and even that change in structure is relative it depends on the grav it depends on your speed and depends on the gravitational field Mm. so anyway love is independent of that this is the interesting thing love is is both in this world and outside of this world when whenever you know when you hear like oh be of this world and be out not of this world that's just meaning be the love that you are. <laughs> the love that you are is in this world. When you're in your physical body, you've incarnated in this physical world. But when you're outside of this world, you're also just being the love that you are because the love that you are is also outside of this world. It's connected through other dimensions. Instantation, like, of course, connected to God, the foundation of all existence. So anyway, getting back to identities. Yeah, I mean, identities are, are tricky because there's so much, and I know we're coming to the end, right? But I just want to say this one thing about identities. Yeah. I just want to say this one thing about identities. It's important because, because we live in a mind-dominated culture and an ego-dominated culture, um, the ego does everything. The ego is a slippery little sinister character you could ever imagine. It'll, it'll do anything. It'll do anything. <laughs> To support its own existence, and one one, and I like to point this out. One thing that it do, it did and does is is the whole positive mental attitude industry. Wow! Yes, that that whole thing, which is it's not bad, it's not good. I'm not here to judge it. I'm just pointing it out that it's 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 identities, um, and it's it's good in the sense that you can use identities for your own positive benefit, right? Like you, you were a big fan of Bruce Lee, right? Right. And he inspired you to become a martial artist, right? Yes. yes. And, and that was a positive experience for you, right? Yes. Learn lots of the lessons, right? Yes. So, so at one point in your life, you incorporated this identity of a martial artist. You wanted to be like Bruce Lee, yep. etc. right? And this took you to states of achievement that you're yep. happy with and you feel yep. great. Wonderful. So that's a positive identity that you utilized, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. there are also other, other that, that same identity can lead you down, um, down a, a dark alley. Right. If, 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 if your ego is, is too strong, I'll give you an example. Say for example, um, you know, I don't know, you're, you're out at a party and, you know, some rascals show up and, you know, they're, uh, they're martial artists too, but they've got big egos and 
you know, they, they start, they start doing some bullshit at the party and all of a sudden they hear that you're a martial artist and you know, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, you know, it's starting to throw down challenges, right? Like, Hey, Oh, you think you're so bad, right? You know, you think you're such a good martial artist, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And so they start challenging you to different stuff, starting to beat up on your ego. Right. And so then you have to make this choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to prove to them that you're a champion, a martial artist champion? Are you going to walk away? Are you going to be humiliated in front of your friends? So, so depending on your ego, you can make a very dysfunctional choice. Oh, yeah. You could do something that causes harm or even death. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right? That, that's just one example. Here's another example. You know, say, you're, say you're a great mother, mm. right? You're a great mother. And so because you think you're a great mother, you do all the things a great mother does, which is great because you have great kids as a result. Your kids are happy, healthy, well-adjusted, et cetera, et cetera. But then all of a sudden something weird happens, unexpected, not in your control. Just I have some weird thing. Like, like, I don't know, you were at the shopping mall and your kids all of a sudden ran away and all of a sudden, like, you know, um, one got lost. And then one got kidnapped. And who knows what happens after that? But then all of a sudden, like all the other moms in your mom's group are saying like, whoa, she's not a good mom. She wasn't looking after her kids. And like, oh, and then all of a sudden she starts feeling terrible. Not only, not only that, that, you know, she lost her kid, of course, maybe the kid comes back. Great. They rescue her. Wonderful. But still, you know, she beats up on herself because she thinks that she wasn't a good mom. Right. 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 Or she even does something dysfunctional, like somebody threatened, like some of her mom group says, oh, you know, that says some derogatory comments. She, she gets into a nasty fight with a friend of hers. And they, and they, and they, and they lose their friendship over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Happens you know, all, all the time. I'm just, there's a, this is, this all is common. Time. This is common all the time. It's happening 24 seven in all of humanity constantly. This is all a result of the ego. Mm. And I won't even dive into what the ego actually is. Right. Right. Now. Right. right. I, yeah. I was going to go there, but I was just like, there's no way that, that that's a whole nother hour conversation of what the, the ego actually is. But to, so to make a, to make a long story short, identities are tricky. Identities can be used for positive things, but then they can also be your demise. Um, and, and there are only a few cases where identities are positive. And that's when, when they cause you into acts of, of heroism. Like, you know, uh, say, say, uh, you're a great, say you're a great fireman. And as a result, you know, you go and save the kitty out of the, out of the tree and you're a hero. Or say you, you go and save a thousand lives out of a burning building. Or say a 9-11 happens and all the fire departments down there and the, the great firefighters are saving thousands of people. Even some of them die. They put their own life in jeopardy to save other people's lives. It's the only, it's only the energy of an identity and how powerful the ego is in supporting the identity that took that, that allowed that person to take that action in the face of that danger. 
And, yeah. but, the, but, the, but, the, but these are, these are exceptions. Most of the cases, right. identities are, are turn out to be dysfunctional. And, and the only reason that the, that heroism is even needed is because of, of the fact that people aren't focusing on the love that they are. <laughs> Which it, creates chaos. That, that, that's, that, so the, the, that's the funny thing about the whole thing. The only reason that heroism is even there to begin with is because of a lack of love. Right, right. The power of love can supersede all of that. The power of love eventually can extinguish the need for heroism. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. This is, there, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Wow. Um, I thought of, I thought of one more quote from Glenda Green, and it relates back to your definition of life. I never thought of it this way until you mentioned it, so I might as well just mention it here. One of my favorite quotes from her is, learn to live from the living. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there are only four rules of success. You know, everybody has their, their rule book of success, right? Uh, right? Yeah. Well, there's the, eight, the eight rules the two rules, the 10 rules, the 20 rules of success, right? Yeah. So from Jesus' perspective, there were, uh, and just so your viewers know that the name of that book, if anybody wants to pick it up, it's called Love Without End, Jesus Speaks by Glenda Green. Originally published in 1998, 99, and now she's coming out with her 20th anniversary edition, which is really cool. Um, I don't know if there, she was signing 500 copies on her website. So I don't know if those are still available for people who are into it. Go to her website, which is lovewithoutend.com. But anyway, um, we'll plug for Glenda there. Um, yeah. Um, basically these, these are all basically Bible quotes. I mean, basically it's, um, mm. uh, let, um, you know, seek life in the living, let the dead bury the dead. Right. Okay. Always seek life in the living. Let the dead bury the dead. The four the, the four rules of success are number one: be the love that you are. Okay. Number two: seek life in the living. Let the dead bury the dead. Number three: always do the right thing. And number four: forgive. If you do those four things in your life all the time, you'll be successful at whatever you call success. What it doesn't matter. You do those four things all the time in your life, you will be successful regardless of your definition of success. Right. Right. If you just be the love that you are, which is just, again, living in your heart, living, you know, getting out your ego, getting out your mind, being the love that you are. Okay. That's your core identity. Anyways, your true identity. It's your only true identity is the love that you are. Okay. Seek life and living, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, don't let your mind, your ego get overly attached to structure. When the structure has served its purpose, let it recycle, let it, let it go. Right. That, that's why this is the great, you know, okay. So this is a great thing to point out between Eastern and Western thought, right? Cause especially since you're a martial artist on, um, you know, in martial arts and, and, and Eastern thought and religion, basically the idea is to not be attached, right? Not be attached to outcomes, not be attached to anything really. Right. What is that really talking about? It's about the ego. It's the ego's natural, and okay, we're going to have to define the ego, at least the very, very basic definition. The broad basic definition is the ego is the mind's self-generated defense mechanism to protect <laughs> the mind's investments in structure. 
I'll just repeat that one more time. The ego is the mind's self-generated protection mechanism to protect the mind's investments in structure. Structure could be an identity, could be anything, could be anything, any structure at all. So what Eastern thought said, look, don't get attached to structure. In other words, that is equivalent to saying slay your ego. Because that's what the ego's purpose is, is defend your attachments to structure. Right? So that, that's been, and what, so the other thing, the thing that gets confusing, this is why I want to bring this in right real fast, is that passion, because a lot of people confuse attachment with passion. Well, mm-hmm. how does that work? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? What are we doing? What, what, what about passion? Don't I have to be passionate about something to, to manifest it in my life? Aren't I supposed to take that love that's flowing through me, through, through my sacred heart portal, and feel that passion so I can, through my primal magnetism, draw into me my life everything that I need to fulfill my purpose in life and fulfill my covenant? Absolutely, yes. These are two totally different things. You're comparing apples to oranges. However, yeah. somebody who's not studying in it may confuse them as, as diametrically opposed. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both necessary. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can't really have one without the other. They support each other. When, you, when, you're, when you're letting go of attachments, ego attachments, you're automatically allowing this to open up more. Mm-hmm. And when this opens up more, you're automatically letting go of ego attachments. So they go hand in hand. So anyway, again, be the love that you are. Seek life in the living. Let the dead bury the dead. In other words, if the structure has already served its purpose, let it go. Always do the right thing. I have to just get your thought on this real quick because there's a difference between doing things the right way and doing the right thing. You can do really stupid things or counterproductive things to the T, but they're not necessarily doing the right thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So what is the right thing? That's, that's, you know, that's, the, that's been the age-old thing that people have battled over forever. Right. It's like, like, it's like you know how many people have died uh, around the subject of truth? It's basically the same thing. Around it's around the subject of what's the right thing to do. You know, the right thing to do is the truth, right? <laughs> well, this is the thing that it's again a dynamic thing. It's like the truth. The right thing is a dynamic thing. Mm-hmm. It's not set in stone. It's not a formula. It's not a set of facts. It's a dynamic thing. So, what is what? How do you determine what the right thing is? Well. You have to kind of dis- you kind of have to look at what morality is. What morality yes. what morality is is change for the better. That's all it is. That's all it is. Mm. And this is this links to there's a there's a there's a passage in the Bible that talks about um, where the where the first become last and the last become first. This is basically the subject of morality. In other words, somebody who's a bum in the gutter a murder, whatever, ex-con, but they have taken the steps to change their life for the better. In other words, they're, they're, they are pursuing a life of morality. Mm. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you're pursuing a life of morality, which is changing your life for the better, you are doing the right thing. Wow. And, and 
on the flip side, if you live a life of, of propriety where, you know, everything's perfect, you do everything according to the formulas, but you change nothing, you're actually doing the immoral thing. Wow. Wow. This is where the first become last and the last become first. Mm. because and that's you know that's the problem with you know the ego because the ego in a position of comfort and power they it doesn't want to change anything it's you know the demeanor of the ego is is conservation and conservatism Mm. that's the demeanor of anybody serving structure and the ego of course defends structure it serves structure it's married to structure so it's it's naturally going to take a conservative approach and focus on converse, uh, conservation. Mm, right? So 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 what is what is the moral thing to do? Typically, it's what is best for anybody or everybody in a situation. Yep. What's the best solution for everybody involved? Win-win. Win-win. Yep. Win-win. Mhm. Mhm. Win-win. And that can change. That can so look, look at just like look at dancing for example. Dancing a hundred years ago in our culture was viewed as like evil, like 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 terrible. Like like you shouldn't dance because you know evil spirits will attach themselves to your soul. And you know a lot, that, a lot in a lot of ways dance was viewed that way. At least the kind of dance that we do. Now dance is viewed as a wonderful, amazing thing. Healthy, happy, change for the better. Right. So, you know, at one point, you know, so that, okay. And then finally forgiveness. Forgiveness is huge. Forgiveness is just that it's again, a quantum level thing because when you forgive, what happens is when, when there's a, when, when you have a relationship with anything, there's an exchange of adamantine particles. The love that you bring to the relationship, the love the other person or other thing brings to the relationship, okay? It, it creates a, like a marriage of adamantine particles and there's an exchange of the particles. And the problem is if, if something happens, if typically egos get involved, there's judgment, there's whatever going on, and then there's, and the relationship goes sour or south or whatever, then those, those particles that were exchanged are held hostage. Forgiveness is a quantum physics phenomenon that releases the particles. And, and so that's a huge thing because until you do that, you're contracted. Your love is not really, really flowing fully, completely. There's, there's things holding you back. Forgiveness free is all about freedom. Forgiveness is about, and true forgiveness is felt. It's felt on the soul level. And sometimes when you think you've done it, you still need to do more. I mean, myself, I, I went through a nasty divorce 10 years ago. Was it 10 years ago? I, it's been a long time now, back in the mid-2000s, but 15 years ago. But anyway, it was a custody battle, really tough custody battle for two years in court. Really hard, really difficult. I won't even go into details. I had to do lots of forgiveness work around my ex-wife. And I, I've done so much around it. You know, we're, for the most part, friends today. I mean, it's not like we hang out all the time, but, you know, we, we get along 
civilly and, 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 and as best we can for the sake of our daughter, of course. Now, I've done tons of forgiveness work, but you know what? I just unpeeled another layer of forgiveness work just recently. I mean, I'm talking the last month, couple months, and it was intense. It was like going through the fire. And it, and it was actually something that was brought on through a physical practice I'm, I, I'm doing. You know, I, I didn't expect it. It brought me to my knees. So, you know, but it was, again, I felt it. I felt the release. I felt even more freedom after that, more and more freedom. So that's a huge thing. That's why I say, if you go, the ego doesn't like the concept of forgiveness, right? Can, can, can you go, go back and take your awareness back into your brain, the center of your brain. Now, once you're in there, ask, ask me this. Can your brain feel forgiveness? No. <laughs> you're laughing. I don't need to go there. <laughs> right? that right now. <laughs> your brain can't feel forgiveness, right? Yeah. It can't. Us. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, the brain, the mind, brain complex, ego complex, it views forgiveness as this weird intellectual concept. Mm. And at the end of the day, it's going to chalk it up as a karmic thing. It's going to say, well, if I forgive somebody, I'm, you know, I'm going to have good karma. I'm going to be rewarded in the next life. That's how the ego and the mind treats forgiveness. So it's what you're saying is that the mind treats forgiveness as a transaction. It's trying That's to right. find the transaction, That's right. which That's has right. nothing to do with forgiveness. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because the mind is a bean counter. The mind's a logic machine. It's always wanting to balance the books right down to the last little penny. <laughs> That's amazing. That was, I've never, ever heard it explained like that before. So, you know, that's, so that, anyway, that, that's, I don't know how we got, oh, oh, I can seek life in the living and let the bed, dead, dead, dead bury the dead. Yeah, that's huge. Keep, keep that one in front I mean, of me. I mean, that was incredible because all I was really getting at was like, you know, like watch who you're, you know, if you're following people that look like they're dying, then maybe those aren't the best health advisors or health gurus or spiritual gurus to be looking at. You <laughs> took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, ultimately it's, um, yeah, if you put anybody on a pedestal, eventually you're going another- to, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, it's really, um that's another one right there Mm -hmm. honestly at this point the only the only person i put on a pedestal is god (laughs) that's it you know and that's that's you're just basically dealing with infinity you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i bring up i'll bring up as we're closing out i'll bring up john d martini one more time because what you just said reminded me to one of his great quotes which is that nobody is worth putting what do you say is that Nobody's worth putting on a pedestal and nobody's worth putting on a pit. Everybody's worth putting in our heart. Yeah, that's a good one. Absolutely. You know, love transforms. That's why, you know, like I said in the Bible, it's, you know, you know, love your enemy, right? If you can love your enemy, there's a, there's a, there's, that's a, that's a deep, 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 deep thing that is, you can take a whole hour unpacking that right there. You know, well, the, and, the problem with that, Steve, is that if you love your enemy, you're not going to be motivated to go fight them anymore. Well, that's true. 
that's true. And, 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 and if you love your enemy, you're going to, you're going to realize that, that, you know, you are love. You're going to realize that you're not your ego. Mm. Rico, your ego won't allow you to love your enemy. Right. You gotta, you gotta kind of really surrender your ego to love your enemy. You know, you get, you know, it's, 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 uh, and yeah. And, and when you love your enemy, you'll, you'll, you know, there's a good chance you actually could become friends. That, that's, that's happened to me so many times, Steve, in the past, just getting into fights and challenges. And then eventually after we got into the fight, then we became best friends. It's the weirdest thing. This happens to guys all the time. And, you know, going through junior high and high school, you've probably been through it. You had like some kind of rivalry or some weird thing with another alpha male. And then all of a sudden you guys realize you're more alike than ever. And then you just became best friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so it's a lot, that's a, it's a huge thing. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, you can't go wrong with love God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself. That's basically the core of any true human religion. You mm-hmm. know, so if you, if you just, if, if, if you just follow those two things, you know, and, and really do it, actually not just put it in, you know, in your mind as some intellectual, you know, ideal, yeah. but actually pra- practice it. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I love what Anthony Robbins says. Most people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. Right. That's the plight of our world. Yeah. And so it's, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's really committing on an individual level to just do the things and sometimes just baby steps. Some people, most people are in overwhelm. Totally. Most people are just in overwhelm. We're, we're in a system that, that has created a lot of overwhelm for a lot of people, most people probably. And so at best, I mean, it's, it's about reaching out to community and it's about um, taking little baby steps, whatever you can do in, in, in the, in the moral direction. Mm. Think about, about, you know, that, that whole, that's a powerful statement. The first become last and the last become first. Mm. And that is, you know, baby steps will do that for anybody. Yeah, incremental steps creates quantum leaps, but don't be so focused on the quantum leap. Take those necessary steps. One thing leads to another. Just just keep moving in the moral direction. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. It's about the direction. It's that commitment to the direction. doesn't matter. It's like, hey, if you've got to chop wood and carry water, fine. Chop wood and carry water. But you, at least you know you're chopping wood and carrying water for a good purpose, a good cause, a good direction. Yes, and right. You'll, you'll be okay. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, man. This was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was absolutely incredible. I'm so glad the conversation went in all the, the ways that it did. And I knew that I didn't even need to prepare for this. Like, why, you know, it's just you and me talking, but there's a purpose and there's a, there's a, there's an impact. So, so much more can come through. And, um, Wow. We, we really covered so many incredible areas. So grateful for you, Sacred Steve. And I'm grateful um, that we're going to be doing a part two on chocolate to really give not just the subject of cacao, it's, it's due justice, but your knowledge and your experience with it. Um, you know, that, that I'm excited about. So we'll connect on that. And um, Steve, do you have any other parting words and let's make sure that everybody knows where to go to get the best chocolate ever. Sure. Uh, sacredchocolate.com for, um, you know, amazing chocolate. 
Um, parting words, um, <clears throat> be the love that you are. Um, re- realize that you don't need to know in order to love. You know, um, you, you, it, it's not like you have to figure out um, love or figure out how to become more loving. You are love. Love is at your core. <clears throat> Just be that love. So that's my message. Timely message for all of us. Steve, as always, thank you so much for making the time to really dive deep with me. And uh, yeah, this is, this is incredible. What else can I say? <laughs> hey, it's a blessing, Ronnie. I, I love you. And I always love sharing with you. And you're an amazing man. And your outreach is phenomenal. And you inspire so many people. So you inspire me. Mm-hmm. So thank, thank you for the work that you do. Mm, thanks brother that means a lot to me and i love you too and uh look for look looking forward to part two all right all the best i hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the holistic health and human potential show before you head off i want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.